Welcome to the Free Retiree Show. My name is Lee Michael Murphy. I've been in wealth management for the last 10 years right in the heart of the Silicon Valley. People have always asked me, how do I achieve financial independence? And while the financial world wants you to believe it's as simple as investing your money, I'm here to tell you it's a small piece of the puzzle. I've seen four consistent factors in the people that have achieved financial independence. One, they excel in their career. Two, they manage their money properly. Three, they're able to avoid devastating financial mistakes. They can see through the BS. And lastly, they understand they need to learn from the best, the people that have achieved success in their career and their finances. Join us on our journey as we learn how to become free retirees. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Free Retiree Show. I'm your host, Wealth Manager, Lee Michael Murphy, and I'm alongside my partner, Sergio Patterson. What is up, everyone? Welcome into a business and thought leader edition of the Free Retiree Show. Today, we are pumped and happy. We have a world-renowned entrepreneur and speaker, Suzanne Evans. Suzanne has one of the most amazing stories I've ever heard, Serge. She has come from you know rags to riches. So imagine this, $40,000 per year as a secretary to a multi-seven-figure CEO. She's written several books. She's got been on the New York Times bestseller list. Her book is called The Way You Do Anything is the Way You Do Everything. She's also the author of The Hell Yeah Diaries. And her book has ended up on number five of the New York Times bestseller. And she also has a company called Driven Inc., which has made the list for the 500, 5,000 for five straight years. And they provide consulting and support for all kinds of entrepreneurs around the world. So Serge, what are you excited to hear from Suzanne? Yeah, that was a great intro. I think for me, it's, I'm, I'm looking at one of these taglines. It says, she's the, she's the boss who tells it like it is, the no fluff boss. And I think we're in a world of lots of fakeness and shallowness and like, it, I'm just excited to have somebody on who just tells it like it is and who's real. So I'm excited. Yeah, I think our listeners are going to love this because I think we've all been in that position at one time in our life where we were doing something and we thought, man, we were meant to do more. And a lot of us, the sad story is we don't do anything. Like we just kind of, we just kind of deal and we don't push forward. And Suzanne has just got one of these stories where it's like she came from such a humble beginning and she's doing amazing things. So I don't need to hype her up anymore. If you guys don't understand the power of what she's done, I mean, I mean, turn this episode off right now, but I think you really want to listen to this because she's done some things that, you know, are, are very rare and not many people have done. So we're going to go to a quick break, but when we're back, we're going to be sitting down with Suzanne Evans. Stay tuned. Welcome back into the Free Retiree Show. We're sitting down with Suzanne Evans. Suzanne, good morning, and thank you for coming on our show. How are you doing this morning? I'm amazing. I appreciate you having me. I'm looking forward to this. So, so for the listeners, tell everyone a little bit about what you do. Yeah, so we uh, founded Driven Inc. 12 years ago. We do business consulting, 
um, marketing consulting. We have a video production division. So offer consulting and coaching and services to the small business owner. A lot of our businesses are in the service-based industry and a lot of them have less than 10 employees, right? So we're talking about everything from solopreneurs to people who are, you know, running their ship with some virtual employees to some people who, you know, they may have, you know, five, six employees, but they're not a big company. They're not a big corporation and they are truly entrepreneurial, solopreneur, uh, small business owner. So what have you noticed you know, during the last six months, I know we've been in a weird, crazy time with COVID-19. What have you noticed from your clients? Well, I've noticed two things. Um, I've noticed, you know, people, I always tell people, you can always do more than you think you can do. You can always do more than you think you can do. I ran a half marathon a few years back and, you know, listen, I'm sitting here, an obese woman, and I ran a half marathon. You can always do a little more than you think you can do. Um, but I, I wrote on Sharpie on my arm, the mind stops before the body needs to. And so one of the things that I think is really interesting about people is they're like, you know, this, this happened and a lot of people fought for their lives, right? They fought for their business lives. They fought for their economic lives and they're winning. I mean, they're on the other side. I'm not saying this is, this is certainly effing not over, but they, they are, are winning. And then on the other side is people are like, oh, the pandemic and all the issues. It's like the pandemic is not your, unless you were a host in the hospitality business or the travel business or the, um, uh, you know, uh, restaurant, right? Restaurant business is really suffering. But outside of that, and I'm sure I missed, missed a few industries, but for the most part, COVID was not your problem. You had problems before COVID. You were lazy before COVID. You weren't doing what you were supposed wow. to before COVID. Yes. You, had a messed, you had a messed up strategy before COVID. All your problems that you're having now are not new problems. They've just been exaggerated because of this. So those are the two things I've seen. I've seen that people can do more than they think they can do and they're resilient and they're creative and they're um, they're hustlers and they'll save their families and they'll save their business and they'll save their yep. lives. And then I've seen the other 50% of the world that are victims and they're complainers and um, COVID has given them the grandest excuse of their life to do nothing with their business. It's interesting. You mentioned that. I think I've done some of my best work when my back's against the wall uh, and you, you, you don't realize how your the instinct, you know, the instincts kick in. Yep. To your yep. point. I think, I think either you're going to pivot or you're going to crumble. And yeah. I think a lot of people are crumbling right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I, for me personally, I say I was built for burning buildings. Like it's just who I am. It's like set the house on fire because I'll figure out how to put it out and and save it or recreate it or you know take all the scraps that are left from it and turn it into artwork and make millions, right? I'm built for burning buildings. And I don't think most people are built for burning buildings. And that really comes from their upbringing. I think parents don't really know how to raise children anymore because we're in a soft society. And parents don't teach children how to win. The mm -hmm. number one thing you can teach your children is how to win. Now I go and I say this places and people talk about this now. Oh my God, no, it's about the journey, right? It's about the journey and it's about... <laughs> It's right. You need to teach people to lose. I'm like, if you teach kids to win, they'll know how to lose. 
Oh, it's a participation trophy culture. Yeah, everybody gets a participation uh, trophy. And I'm like, if you teach kids how to win, they will know how to lose because they value winning so much that they become naturally good losers because they understand in the losing is the next opportunity to win. And so I think that a lot of, you know, we're, we're also dealing in a time where it's so easy to start a business. And I love that. I mean, I think that's the magic of the world we live in right now is that there's so much access um, through, through virtual and through technology and through social platforms and through all of that. But a lot of people are confusing opening an Instagram account with being an entrepreneur. Oh, 100%. Right? Yeah, you <laughs> right? see that all the time. Yeah, it's like, no. It's almost too easy. Yeah, it is. It's like, and it's saturation, it, right? Yeah, it takes yeah. business model and strategy and planning and, uh, and, and boredom. I mean, what most people don't get about business. And I think that I think that when you said you do your best work with your back up against the wall, we've done some of our best work in the last nine months. And I have a little bit of survivor guilt saying that. Um, I have a little bit of survivor guilt saying, and I try to be very humble about it and very uh, grateful for what we've accomplished, but we've had our most profitable year in on record. Um, and wow. we have it. And, and this, and, and I'm not saying this from a company that has grown every single year. I have a four-year-old. So about four years ago, I changed my whole business strategy and I wasn't in hyper growth mode. I'm like, listen, I have a good life. I just want to maintain the business I have. I don't want to add growth to it because I want to take more time off and spend with my child. So we were a business that grew, grew, grew crazy. And then for about four years, we just maintained the steadiness of a really great business and we grew this year and, and our gross grew, but our profits skyrocketed because um, we put a lot of effort and energy into, into the net with what was going on in the world. So I have a little bit of, you know, I, I want to be very humble about that. My team worked their ass off. So it was for a lot of different reasons, but I, I'm saying that because I think that we are in this time where there is so much opportunity. There's so much opportunity and I perform well under pressure. And I think most people perform well under pressure, um, but they avoid spend their whole lives trying to avoid pressure. And yeah. you couldn't avoid COVID. You couldn't avoid the pandemic, right? Your kids were jerked out of school. And um, for me, I was an event company. My company did events in person. That's what we did. It's how we made 80% of our revenue. So everything changed wow. and you couldn't avoid it. So I think a lot of people are really seeing what they're made of and it's surprising them or it's devastating them. Yeah. Going back to what you're saying before about like, you can't give any excuses. I mean, you're, you're the perfect example. 80% of your revenue came from in-person events and here okay. you are just killing it, having a banner year. I've yeah. always thought that the strongest quality in successful entrepreneurs is their adaptability. Right. Absolutely. Just, you, you, the ones that are able to not only survive, but thrive when shit doesn't go the right way. Yeah. And you're obviously doing that. So like, what can you, what did, can you give us a little bit of insight into like what you guys did that sure. pr produce those results? We gave away t everything. I judge the pandemic by college basketball because <laughs> I'm a huge college <laughs> really? basketball fan. Yeah. Oh, we're hu we're huge college basketball. Fans. Yeah, yeah. March Madness. Oh my God, we were in the middle of March Madness. I was actually at the ACC tournament, and um, we were at the game. And I looked at my parents and I said, "It just so happened we were lucky. The ACC tournament was in Greensboro this year, so it was a 45 minute drive from here. So we were going back and forth to the games. I looked at mom and dad and said, "I don't think we're going to be here tomorrow." 
Like wow. I have a feeling they're going to cancel these games. And I want to say that was like on March 12th or something. Um, and that night they canceled all the games. Um, and so come March 12th, I had 48 hours of freaking out. And I don't mean freaking out like I was in a ball rocking. You know, it's that kind of like you're walking the floor and you've got four different news channels on four different TV. And I'm like, is this going to be a month? Is this going to be a year? Are we never cut? Like, you know, you're just trying to process from yeah. a, I'm obviously I'm trying to process. I'm a mom. So I'm processing from a, a mom standpoint. I'm processing from a human standpoint, but then I'm processing from an entrepreneurial standpoint. I got 20 full-time team members. I got 20 people on payroll. My payroll is $300,000 a month. And those people got rents and kids and yeah. grocery, you know, so I'm trying to process all of that. And my gut instinct said, jump in immediately and create something where you just teach people how to navigate this and you don't charge a dime and you get as many people in as you can and you over deliver. You make this the best program you have ever had in your life. This is a program you would normally charge $25,000 for and you give it away for free. And March 12th was when kind of COVID hit. By March 14th, we had something called More Than Okay Club. It was up and running. I was like, I will teach you to be more than okay in your business. You're not just going to be okay and survive this. You're going to be more than okay. We had daily trainings of a Facebook Live. We had content that we were shooting out. Um, and we put about 6,000 people in that program over a two or three month time frame, totally free. We opened up coaching hours um, twice a week in our business where business owners could just call in and get free coaching. Like wow. this is what's happening. And we, that's what we did. And we did that for months until we pivoted until I saw clearly that we weren't going to hold a live event. How, right? how did, how did you, you know, have you been, obviously we haven't seen anything like COVID in the past, Yeah. but I assume in your time, have you experienced something like this where you've had to quickly dive in or pivot in your business? Like, were you, how were you prepared for this? Where did that come from? Well, a, a couple of things. I mean, I, I would say three things helped me. One is, one is that I think if you're truly an entrepreneur, you're, you're basically getting up every day and just trying to fix what's broken, right? So that this was just something else that was broken and we had to fix it. So that's kind of just 11 years in business, right? And 11 years of making payroll, right? And, and uh, losing your shirt on something that you risked and having to make it back up. So that was that. The second thing was I, can't, I came from the Broadway theater industry. So my job that I left, uh, well, I worked for my day job 60 hours a week while I built my business. So my business was a side hustle for two years. And so I came from the Broadway theater industry and survived 9-11. And oh, wow. we, uh, I really watched what our industry did and I was in the middle of it. I mean, we had three shows on Broadway at the time for the company that I was working and nobody wanted to come to New York and sit in a theater where somebody might put a bomb in a theater. I mean, it was, it was a crazy time. So I watched kind of the creativity and the, um, and the story on that, which I think is a fascinating story for our times. Um, Giuliani was the mayor at the time and- um, Oh, he's had I, a tough run. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Lately, it's been tough. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. Yes. 9 yes. 11 happened. He stayed up for 48 hours straight and he told his team, he said, I'm going to go home. He said, I just let me try to sleep for two hours. He, of course, went home and couldn't sleep. And he happened to be reading a biography on Winston Churchill. And he opened it up and it happened to be during one of the wars and some major bombing that happened in Britain. 
And Churchill said, I'm keeping the operas and the ballets open because if the world sees that we are still creating art, they will know we are not afraid. And Giuliani right. came back and met with the Broadway theater producers that night and said, turn the lights on, open Broadway. If they know that we are still creating art, they will know we are not afraid. I took that into this and I said, if we are still creating, we, you cannot be afraid and be creating. You cannot be in fear and in creation at the same time. Those two things cannot coexist psychologically. So I said, let's create more than we've ever created before because it uh, eliminates the fear. And if we're not in fear, we can make strategic, intelligent decisions. That's fascinating. Yeah. Appreciate the transparency. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of, that's what got it. I mean, so we gave away all that free content for three months and then we moved our event to in-person, uh, sorry, in, to virtual. And normally in our in-person event, I, I've had up to a thousand people at my in-person events, but like I told you the last four years, I changed my model a little bit just for my family life. So we usually were putting about 500, 450, 500 people into those events. We put uh, almost a thousand people into the virtual event. Um, and it was amazing. And it, and it forced, you know, I loved it because I got to be creative. I've been doing live events this same. I mean, I do a really interesting live event and we know how to throw a party and we do it like any, unlike anybody else, but I've been doing it that way for 10 years. So to, to have to do a virtual event and come up with all of these swag boxes we sent to people. And, um, you know, we had, we went to all of the Broadway, uh, of course, Broadway was, has been decimated in this. And so we went to the Broadway theater performers and we put together an opening number with all of these Broadway performers. I got to pay them. So they got to make money. We got to have a Broadway show opening. Um, um, American Idol went off the air. We pulled in one of the American Idol finalists who entertained throughout the entire. Oh, wow. So I just got to do all this creative stuff. And I kept reminding myself, you cannot create and be afraid at the same time. So keep creating and the rest will take care of itself as long as you're being strategic. Yeah, that's amazing, Suzanne. Um, everything you, you just gave us, like that just shows why you're doing so well. You, you while people just went into their bunkers, you're like, I'm going to produce the best content, give help people more than I've ever done before. And that's going to lead to not us only surviving and thriving. So ama amazing. I, I love that. I will add is speed always wins. It took me 48 hours to get there. It took most people four months. Speed always wins. And I knew we needed to do something. We need to put something out. And I was like, this could be a shit show, right? Like who cares? But speed will win. If we get something, if we produce something, if we yeah. create something and we go, I was speaking to a, a gentleman who has a great consulting business. I mean, you know, million dollars a year. And he said, I almost lost everything because I freaked out. I thought this is the end of the consulting world. I can't get on a plane and speak or consult. And he said, it took me five months. He said, I put on 40 pounds. I didn't have a single gig. I started running through savings and he's obviously turned it around now and he's doing well, but he's like, it took me five months. I'm like, it's people who are listening to this You've got to learn how to take tragedy from five months to five minutes. That's success. That's true success is being able to pivot, change, adapt, drive forward in five hours as opposed to five months. I think it's like you talked about college basketball earlier, but I think it's playing offense instead of playing defense, action instead of reaction, right? It sounds like you, you jumped right in 100% and you weren't going to let this pandemic just 
dictate to you what your life was going to be about. Yeah. And, and you know, I'll, I'll go back to um, my favorite basketball coach of all time is Jimmy V who won the 1983 uh, Cinderella team. I was NC eight State. Yeah. I was eight years old. I was at that game. And um, wait, the Georgetown game. No, they, they beat oh, Houston. Houston. Okay. Oh, Houston. I was thinking George, sorry, Houston. Yeah. yeah. That was the best Houston team with like Ralph, all those. Yeah. Oh, it was all those guys. And yeah. yeah and we, uh, I was at that game. My parents were huge NC state fans. We still are. And we were at that game and I actually became quite friendly with the, it's a long story, but I came quite friendly with the players at a very young age and um, heard Jimmy V speak many times. And I was on the Jimmy Valvano show as a kid. And one of the things Jim Valvano did, and it's one of my favorite uh, stories to tell is so at that time, Valvano was recruiting kids who were playing street ball in Brooklyn, right? There was, there was no foundation of training them to, to go play college ball. And he had a great recruitment program that he got in a little trouble for later down the road. But anyway, he had a great <laughs> recruitment program. And the first day of the year of practice, he brought every player in and he drug a ladder to the, uh, the goal and they practiced cutting down the nets. And he said, most children don't grow up in an environment where they practice winning. And so he said, we practice winning. What does it feel like to cut down those nets, right? What does it feel like? And so I ask everybody here today in the middle of a pandemic that's not gonna end for another year. We are talking about, everybody's talking about 2020 being over. 2021 is going to look like just like 2020. We're just more used to it now, right? We're more used to it. And we, I think we have more things in place because now it's been going on, but this isn't going to end until, a, you know, about a year from now. And so ask yourself, have you practiced winning this year? In the chaos, in the, in the pain, in the fear, and some people may be listening to this in the loss of life. They may have family members that's health were affected. They may have had finances that were decimated if they were in an industry where they lost jobs. But in the middle of all of that, how have you practiced winning in the last 30 days? I didn't ask you how you've won. Ask you how you've practiced winning. It's I a love habit. That. I've got a four-year-old daughter yeah. and she hates losing. And I think for some what? reason, but for some reason, <laughs> my instinct as a parent is to be like, you know, sometimes it's okay to lose because I think you also need to learn how sure. to deal with failure and losing, right? But like, I'm now thinking of it like there's nothing wrong with winning. I think why? What's the instinct of like trying to like teach her that? Hey, you need to be be okay with losing. But I'm like, she. That's like, I think that's a good skill or trick. It's an amazing skill. Two people interview for a job. One doesn't get it. The other does. One won the job. The other lost the job. You're yeah. going to win things in life. You're going to lose things in life. You know, I was watching my son play with a kid in the neighborhood and they were racing, right? Their bikes. And Adrian won and he said, I won and you lost. And the instinct was everybody to go, well, you're both winner. I said, no, they're not yes. both winners. He won and he lost, but you do it again and it could reverse roles. And I also know for a fact, Adrian, on a foot race, he'll kick your ass. So you're not going to win everything <laughs> you do with Graham, like right? That. But but we, we, we apologize for winning. What a stupid thing to teach children. It's really we'll strange. It's really winning. strange. Yeah. I do it. I've probably done it already today, this morning. Uh, listen, point. I'm preaching on this and I know I've done it. 
right? I mean, I'm freaking out because, because we get in society with a bunch of other parents or a bunch of other people. And we're like, I'm so sorry. He won. I'm so sorry. He yelled at your son and said he won. It's like, you should be like, yeah, you did one buddy. And you're awesome too. And let's do it again and see if he can win this time. But instead we apologize. And, and it's what we do in business too, right? We're, we're not practicing winning and we're using the excuses of the pandemic or, or my husband left me or, um, or my health is bad. Listen, I've said for years and years, and, and COVID was just another example of this, everybody either has kids or cancer. And what I mean by that is, is everybody's got something that is hard in their life or distracting in their life or unexpected in their life. Kids typically aren't unexpected. Well, I would say every day it's unexpected <laughs> what happens with kids. The kids aren't expected, but you get a cancer diagnosis or you get, or your husband, your wife walks out on you or you and your girlfriend break. Like your life is about bad shit happening. It's about that shit happening. Success and your winning is today I know a lot of things are going to go wrong. Today I know bad stuff is going to happen. So who am I to navigate it, to turn my mess into a message, right? And to use it for growth as opposed to shrinking. Now, are I mean, you sh are you already a motivational speaker, or is that? Oh hell yeah! Can't you tell, buddy? <laughs> but I, I don't think it's. I'm fired up right now. I, I'm like ready to go. I want to like, go race someone right now. Yeah. I want to go. I want to go outside and like <laughs> race. let's race. Yeah. <laughs> now you can also cheat. I decided this week I want an electric bike, but that's a whole other story. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Suzanne, I gotta I gotta ask this because yeah, I mean, I love your mindset. You're you're saying a lot of the things that i've like i hell yes we need to celebrate this uh, by the way like i'm i'm a i'm a soccer coach for a, a, yeah. a girls a girls team yeah. and uh you know they're one of the best teams in the state and uh i, I pride myself in having a lot of your mentality yeah get, ri get rid of that soft shit like this yeah. let's, let's do this let's yeah. get results but i want to know about your story because when you started you were the forty thousand dollar per year secretary yep. Tell us about how you started saying, like, I'm going to start winning. What was that? Yeah, you know, I, I honestly, winning has been important for me since I was really young. I was, I was a professional water skier when I was a kid. Um, and so I always um, had this kind of drive to win. But then it was interesting because I went into my career and into life and I stayed in this job for kind of 10 years. And I mean, listen, it was interesting. It was the Broadway theater industry and we were putting Usher in Chicago and Reba McIntyre in Any Get Your Gun. And, you know, I had this interesting life, but I wasn't making any money. And I definitely couldn't see a few, like, I'm like, really, I'm going to make like $5,000 a raise for the rest of my, like, you know, so I wanted to do something else. And I started to think about starting my own business and I won't bore you with the details of, it took about a year. I mean, I came up with some wild ideas and some different things that I wanted to do, but I did think about wanting to be a therapist. And this is kind of where I ended up where I am today. Um, and then I realized that like therapists have to follow laws. Um, and I was like, Ooh, somebody like me could go to jail or at least go to court. Like, I don't think I should be a therapist. But as I was researching that I found positive psychology and there's a degree, um, a few universities have degrees in positive psychology, which is a coaching is typically a part of positive psychology. So I came across this coaching thing and I hired myself a coach actually. I was like, well, damn, now that I've researched this, I'm all messed up. I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. I can probably use a coach. And so I hired a coach. I, I'm not exaggerating. At the end of the first session, I was like, oh my God, this is what I'm going to do with my life. I'm going to be a coach. Because first of all, I could have done this better than she did. 
and it's what I'm doing for free to every friend, every relative, every colleague, you know, it was um, just natural. So I was making about $45,000 a year in a day job. And so I started to put a business together and it was a side hustle. And I worked 60 hour a week in that day job while I built a six figure business in the first year. So I was making 50, cause I got a little raise. I was making 50,000 in the day job and a hundred thousand in the business. I stayed in the business a second year and I did get raises to about 60, 65,000 at that time, but I was making 300,000 in the side hustle business. And so I took a moment and thought, you may be an idiot. You probably need to quit the job, but I'm so glad I stayed in that job for two reasons. Number one, I was never desperate. I hate a desperate entrepreneur. Somebody's out there, I'm gonna hustle my way. You can only hustle so much. At some point, you gotta have some, you gotta have some revenue to cover some costs. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have, I had like about, uh, no exaggeration, I had about $1,000 in credit, right? I had like a couple of credit cards with, and I used them. I mean, I maxed them out to start the business, but I, I used my day job to pay all the bills and, and I was able to pull a tiny bit from the day job. I mean, enough to like, no exaggeration, like buy a business card or enough to, but you know what I mean? Just do yeah. some small things. But the moment I started to make just a few bucks in my business, I didn't have to use it to live because I had the day job so I could put it back into the business. So the first two years, I put everything back into the business, which allowed me to grow faster. The second reason I'm really glad I stayed in that day job was if you want to get something done well, give it to the busiest person you know. And my time was so tight and my back was up against the wall because I was in this day job that when I worked on the business at night and weekends, man, I was hyper-focused and I was giving it all I could. Um, the founder of 1-800-Flowers started 1-800-Flowers when he was the executive director of a boys kind of boys club. And he grew that business to a million dollars while he stayed in like a $75,000 a year boys club thing. He got a board of directors because they knew they were going to sell. The board of directors called him in and said, you you have to quit your job. We need you to run the company. And he said, absolutely not. And they said, why? And he said, I don't want to mess this up. Mm -hmm. Right? The limited yeah. vision and time he had gave it just enough to be laser focused. Now he eventually left that job. And I think they sold 1-800-Flowers for hundreds of millions of dollars. <laughs> but my point is, is that everybody thinks they need more time. I had an employee who came to me years ago. And they said, Suzanne, I think I'm going to leave. And I love this person. They, they were good employee. We were good friends. And I said, why? They said, I don't have time to be creative. He said, I want, I want time to write. He, he was in my video production division. And he said, I want to, I want time to create. And I said, okay, I, I hear you. So let me ask you a question. I said, how much, how many hours are you putting in about right now in creation and writing? And how many do you want to have? And he said, I'm not putting any in. That's the problem is I don't have time. I'm so busy here. I want to do that. I said, make no mistake. I said, if you don't give it one hour now, if I hand you 40 hours and you quit this job, you'll use those 40 hours to do nothing. If you want something and if you're hungry, you find the time to make it happen. I said, you think you're going to trade out a jail cell for a, an ocean view? No, you're just gonna you're just gonna get a tiny window that you can't even see because it's at the top of the room. So you got to take the time to do the things that you really want to do, especially when you don't have the time. I think one thing that I've noticed with a lot of entrepreneurs, and I know a bunch of them, is they're not that successful. To be honest with you, you yeah. know, 
the over I mean, let's just say how it is, right? The the overwhelming amount of people that decide to get into entrepreneurship are not successful. That's correct. They bleed out and they it's a long road to failure at the end of the day. Yep. What did you do that was so different? Like what was what was your because that, I'm telling you, you, I just know that your story is so rare. And I know hundreds of entrepreneurs. The fact that you did what you did in that one year time frame. I mean, even the fact that, to do what you did in three years is crazy different than the story that's out there. What is your it factor? Uh, I can tell you. So I'm not super smart. Um, like I went totally did like fill in the bubbles on the SAT. You guys are too young. Now the SAT is all different. It's like different scoring and all of that. But like, I totally like filled in the bubbles. I went to three different colleges to get graduated my senior year of college. Like they put me in football math and they were like, listen, come on Saturdays with the football players, learn Venn diagrams. And if you can just pass this one thing, we'll pass you. Um, I'm not saying I'm not a smart person, but I'm not like I, I'm, I'm not inspired by book smartness, yeah, right? Book smart, not, yeah. yeah, it's not my thing. Um, and I know, I've, but I've always known that about myself. I'm also, I was also at the time fat, gay and broke, right? I mean, I didn't have any money to put in. You know, I, I'm certainly not going to do this thing on my Victoria's Secret body and looks. And, <laughs> you know, and... And I was gay at that time. This was 12 years ago. A lot of people didn't want to come out in their business. I mean, I I can't tell you how many people it's still shocking to me this day that come to me and say, how did you get the strength to come out in your business? I'm like, I don't know. I just thought everybody did it. So maybe I really am that stupid. Um, But all of those things, right? But here's what I knew. I will work your ass under the table. You cannot outwork me. You can't. You cannot outwork me on any day. You know, Will Smith says this famously, if me and you are on a treadmill, I'm going to die on that treadmill before I get off, before you do. You can not outwork me. And what I also knew from my parents who were amazing examples of this were, was outworking beats smarts every day of the week. So I remember starting this business and telling myself, I don't know if I'll be great at this. I don't know if I'm smart enough to be an entrepreneur. I don't know, but I know if you watch whatever the time people are putting in and you put in five times that amount of time, you'll get a result. You'll, you'll get a result. TD Jakes, I don't know if you guys know, he is very famous um, televangelist actually. Hmm. He says he's probably one of the most successful uh, monetarily and known in the world. And he said, when everybody was playing, I was preaching. When everybody was out partying, I was sleeping on a pew in a church. He said, I had a vision to have millions of people watching me. And he said, and I did, and I had a lisp and I had a stutter and I didn't, you know, I didn't know what everybody else knew. And I didn't have a father that like passed down a church to me. But he said, if I put in 22 hours a day and just get a little bit of sleep, I will do better than the most of them. So I've always just outworked everybody. Love that. Suzanne. If you don't mind sharing, can you talk to us a little bit about some regrets or past mistakes you've made and how you think about overcoming mistakes, that sort of thing? Not trusting my instinct. You know, a couple of times, everything in my bones tell me, told me to do something and everyone around me told me not to. You know, and, and I don't blame that on them. You know, um, I know you said one of your partners in crime is an attorney here. Um, and I know you guys are in the finance world. Remember, accountants and attorneys, their number one job is to... Um, is to mitigate risk, right? I mean, it's to, it's to keep you from screwing up, 
right? People think it's to get you out of trouble, but it's actually not. Accountants and lawyers, it's to keep you out of trouble. So I I appreciate, you know, my, my wife is the uh, president of our company and we joke like, um, one of my mantras is, and people know me for hell yeah, right? So when I speak and stuff, we're like, can I get a hell yeah? She is the hell no to my hell yeah, right? <laughs> she is, so so I don't blame people for, you know, sometimes you need to hear that. If you're surrounded by yes people, you're in trouble. But sometimes like when I just knew like this person or this thing or this investment. Um, so I, I, I've worked over the years to find a better way to listen to those voices that I respect and listen to my intuition and see if I can find a better way as opposed to walking away from things or not doing things that I, I think. So that's one thing. Um, and I would say the other thing is um, I was a naive entrepreneur, right? I mean, I, I guys, I was making 65,000 a year and then a hundred thousand on the side. And then my second year I was making, you know, 300,000. I, that's a lot of money if you've never yeah. had money. Right? That's a lot of money in the you're, you grew in the South, right? I'm a farmer's daughter. That's a lot of money in the South. I'm the yeah. seventh generation <laughs> farmer's daughter. Yeah. In year three, I made a million dollars. And I will still yeah. tell you, my parents are so supportive and they're so amazing. And to this day, they'll go, do you think this is going to work out? Do, do, do you, you still feel good about this? Because in that job, you had health insurance. Um, so, you know, they're, they're cute. Um, but... I, that was a lot of money and I was very focused and I still teach my clients that I think the first couple of years, you want to be gross focused right on the top line number, but I probably should have been a little more focused on the bottom line number sooner, but I didn't have that knowledge. Right. I mean, I was literally just, and it hasn't affected me. I mean, to this day, obviously now it's very, we're very focused on it and our, our profits are actually up four hundred percent this year. Um, and so we've always focused on that now, but I wish I'd had somebody who helped guide that, uh, for yeah. me a little earlier, because that's how you retire. <laughs> Which is funny. <laughs> that, that's how, you know, and of course we've made up for it since then, but I think that, you know, that, that quintessential Instagram entrepreneur with the, like, I'm making the money and you're like, you yeah, know, how much are you keeping? Right. Like how much, how much you got in the bank because you made me pay for dinner, but you got a picture of the BMW on the IG account, you know? Mm -hmm. so. so investing back in your business, it sounds like you did that, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, how, what's your feelings on that? Like entrepreneurs and. You need to put everything you can back in the first three years, in my opinion. So I identify the first three years. Year one is figuring it out. Year two is working it out. Year three is rocking it out. And I think it really requires a lot of reinvestment those first three. I mean, you're always going to be reinvesting, but those first three years, um, two types of people struggle and don't ever get where they want to go those first three years. One person is the person who actually does pretty well, but they're afraid to invest. I think you got to be really risk high those first three years. You got to try things. You got to do things. The money that comes in, you got to find a way to put it back in, right? And I mm -hmm. think you you've got to take that angle. The other people you don't see do well are the people who um, they just never get off the ground because they never had, they didn't have a stable foundation for their lives, and so they're like, I'm going to be an entrepreneur, but it's like they're you know, working part-time at Starbucks or they quit the job they have to do. It. It's like, guys, you've got to have a means of 
uh, of cash flow for a business. So you either stay in the job or you're lucky that you saved a bunch and you've got two or three years, you know, it can cover you. Or maybe you have, you're just living in a household where a spouse or somebody else is able to cover things, or you need to take a loan out or you need, or I mean, you've got to have a way to fund a business. Businesses require funding. So those first three years, you've got to, you've got to reinvest. And from the beginning, you've got to have a funding plan. Yeah. And it's so hard. You know, that's what people don't realize. There's people that work the regular 40 hours a week and they have this income and they're like, I'm just going to quit and I'm just going to jump into it. And it, you know, it sounds nice when you're like, yeah, I'm going to go for it, but you got to be smart too. Cause I have, I have yet to really see that work out. Most of the huge success stories, right. They're doing exactly what you did. They, they kind of tipped their foot in the water and figured it out along the way because they have that safety net because they have that other that's right thing. yours you might have lasted a little bit too long because you were raking <laughs> them i would say as a can, I mean, can we agree i mean you you're like a great business person but you probably waited a little bit too long well, right? and i'll tell i will tell you this though i also you know you know how people go oh i'm an entrepreneur because i'm not i'm unemployable that is always a red flag to me that that person will never be a successful entrepreneur the best entrepreneurs were the best employees um, I gave a four month notice. I'd been with that company for 10 years. And honestly, I kind of had the secrets to the kingdom there in a lot of ways. And I knew that a lot of what ran, ran off of my knowledge and my information. And I stayed there six months longer than I should have. But I also gave four months notice and trained, hired all of my replacements, trained them. And, um, and after I left still, you know, was there to give them support and feedback. So I think wow. the best entrepreneurs, if, if you are in, if you're, okay, if you're listening right now and you're an entrepreneur and this is not working for you, you're like, I don't know why, but I'm not getting traction. I'm not making money. This isn't working. Go get a job. I'm serious. Get a job for at least a year. And your sole purpose in that job is to be the number one employee in that company. Then come out of that and you will be a better entrepreneur. That's amazing advice. I've never even heard anyone say that. Yeah, I love that. You cannot be a good entrepreneur and not be an amazing employee. Yeah, that, that makes so much sense. Yeah, so you've got you to learn how to follow leadership. You've got to care about the business as much as the boss does. You've got to learn to uh, navigate change. And when they change, you don't want to be the complainer. You've got to learn to, you know, take the, the hard hits and the, and the rejection and let it roll off your back. And you do that for a year or two in a job. And, and on top of it, love the job. Get up every day and find a way that you're like, I'm so happy to go to work. I want to do this. I want to knock it out of the park. We're going to win together. Even if they don't notice me, I love this. I love what I do. I'm going to make it work. You, you cannot be a good entrepreneur if you're that kind of employee. How do I get your energy? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just in awe. I'm just in awe this whole time. This is, yeah, this she is brings it. I love it. Hey, I was curious how you, how your team thinks about the customers, right? Your clients and what, how you differentiate yourself and what is a pretty crowded space. Like yeah. if I'm a business, why am I going to come and seek your services at Driven? Yeah. So a couple of things that I have as a philosophy. So I'm going to ask the answer the first part and then I'll go to the, why would I come to seek your services? Um, you know, there's the adage, the uh, client is always right. Um, I absolutely don't believe that. I think that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I mean, the client is not always right. As a matter of fact, in my business, the client is often not right. Um, and 
the way to make happy clients is to put your employees in front of your clients, right? Um, my employees, like, you know, listen, they can fuck up. They can be, I don't know if I'm, I could say that. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is nor- norm for the free retiree show. Okay, I usually <laughs> ask, I usually ask. Um, you know, they mess up, they screw up, they're not perfect, but you know, when an, you, you guys see this happen, when a client or a customer abuses an employee, it happens all the time, right? Abuses mm-hmm. an employee or tri- no, right? First and foremost, I have to protect my team. That being said, I think when you do that, you naturally protect clients, right? Um, and potential customers. But I think people come to us for three reasons. The number one reason they come to us is because we have the stats to prove that we're the best. We have the data that says, our average client stays with us 3.2 years in an industry, uh, in a business coaching industry where the average client stays like 1.2. Um, we're in an industry where about 20 to 25% of people renew for coaching program year over year. Um, we have a 64% renewal rate year over year. We have, we're in an industry where about coaching programs create about 20% success for people. That means that, you know, they make more than they invested or we have an 84% success rate. So that's one reason they come to us is because we we're we're math focused, we're numbers focused, right? We have, we have the data to show them that. The second reason they come to us is because, um, I, I'm not trying to make friends. I'm trying to make a difference. I don't really care if you like me. Um, I, matter of fact, you probably will need to not like me at some point to hear what you need to hear to get what you need to get. I'm about helping people take an idea to income. I'm about helping people take a dream or hope or a problem that they solve and showing them how to make it profitable. Um, And I'm about people changing, not changing the world, changing their world. I don't care about changing the world. If the world wanted to change, it would have already changed. I want you to change your world because when you change your world, everyone around you is forced to change. And so I know that if I can make you rich, I know that it makes your community rich. It makes your uh, extended family rich. Um, A lot of times people are breaking generational curses of income issues. And so I don't care if you like my style. I don't care if you like me, right? My job is to teach you and train you and to get you a result. It's not to be your friend. And I think people, the right people admire that and they're inspired by that. And then the third thing is, is that, we do have a good time. I mean, we do know how to throw a party and we do have a good time. And I believe um, my, my household mantra is if you can laugh, you can live. Guys, all of this is really funny. I mean, all of the, the, the fact that like, I don't know, you're in your house and you're in your house and I'm in mine and we're interviewing each other and we're doing <laughs> a podcast and, and uh, you know, and, and business and we're all self-important in the world. I mean, even the COVID thing, I know that there are horrible parts to it, but it's really funny. I mean, it's like, we all got trapped in our houses for a year. I mean, it's so we're a part of history. This is this is yeah, yeah, right. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta laugh. If you can laugh, you can live. So I think that's why people come to us. Beautiful. Well, Makes I'll sense. just say, uh, Suzanne, Sergio, and I don't just like you. We love you. We love your mentality. Yes. You've been you've been an amazing interview. Thank you. Uh, and I know people are getting a ton of value out of this. If people want to find out more about Driven and you, where can they go? 
Well, you know, I'm going to do something that um, I don't normally do, but this was really fun. Remember I told you the beginning, I said, please ask me interesting, hard questions because I do a lot of interviews and they're like, tell us, how could an entrepreneur be better? And I'm like, oh my God, I hate, I hate your questions. <laughs> board. So this is a lot of fun. So I, as awesome. I told you, I do events. I do business training events. I do business education events. So we're doing one this spring. Um, it's called Driven the Event Home Edition. We've already decided to do it virtual because we know things are still going to be a little wonky. And normally tickets are like in the 97 to 297 range. And I'm going to let any of your folks that are listening that want to come, come for a buck. Come Ooh, for a dollar. Wow. Yeah, wow. so come for a dollar. We're doing this like we Ooh, did it delightful. for one other group that I spoke to yesterday. And um, yeah, and I think that I, I think if you're an entrepreneur and you're listening to this, this is a three-day event where it's soup to nuts. Um, you know, it's totally soup to nuts business building. Um, it's soup to nuts, everything you need to know to make six or seven figures. It's, it's basically also me talking about what, um, it's Suzanne's specialoffer.com. So S-U-Z-A-N-N-E-S. So Suzanne's specialoffer.com. So you can come for a buck. And um, yeah, soup to nuts, everything I did to build a six, $7 million business. And, um, and it's fun, as I told you, uh, how we put together the virtual experience. So if you're listening to this, join us for a buck and make a ton of money. Can't beat if, that. If yeah, you don't feel like you've got your money's worth, I will refund you. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if, you, if you're not making a million dollars. Come on, go yeah. ahead and do this. Jesus. Exactly, exactly. That's a, that's a, Knowledge, knowledge is power, right? So, so that's a little treat for everybody. Suzanne specialoffer.com, but they can also find out any information about us at driveninc.com. And it's we don't do tattoos, it's INC, not INK. So uh <laughs> driveninc.com. Thank you so much, Suzanne, for coming on our show today. We loved you. Thank you. I, I, and I'm, we're gonna we're gonna keep repping you and telling people to you know check you out and you know take advantage of this amazing offer. Thank you. Thank you. It was a blast. I appreciate you having me. Thank you, Suzanne. So long for now. You've been listening to The Free Retiree Show. Securities offered through Securities America Incorporated. Member FINRA, www.finra.org. SIPC, www.sipc.org. A separate entity. Lee Michael Murphy is licensed with the California Department of Insurance, license 0H18660. Lee Michael Murphy is a investment advisor representative with Securities America Advisors, a registered investment advisor. The Free Retiree, Securities America Advisors, and Securities America Incorporated are separate entities. Career Advisor Sergio Patterson, Attorney Matt McElroy are not affiliated with Securities America Advisors or Securities America Incorporated. Securities America Advisors, Securities America Incorporated, and its representatives do not provide tax or legal advice. Therefore, it's important to coordinate with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. The content heard in this podcast is not intended to be tax, investment, or legal advice and is intended as general guidance only. You should contact your own tax advisor, financial advisor, or attorney to answer questions about your specific situation or needs before acting upon this information. Third-party sourced information or comments are not verified, may not be accurate, and are not necessarily representative of all client or audience experience. A portion of this event was paid by a third party. The opinions of career advisor Sergio Patterson do not reflect the opinions of Facebook, Inc., The opinions of attorney Matt McGorry do not reflect the opinions of Castaneda and company.